atheists are human beings like all the rest of us, and they need Christ as much as anybody does. And I would like to help others to be able to deal effectively with the atheist. Hey, welcome to the Meme Lord Monday podcast. My name is Matt Matias, and I'm your host. My buddy Mike and I have been making memes for years, and this podcast is a Christian podcast where we interview Christian influencers and help you find the meme in everyday life. So hey, before we get started with the episode, I just wanted to do some quick housekeeping. I'm actually moving within the next uh, few days uh, out of state, so I'm going to be taking a break from the podcast for a few weeks, at least until the end of March, I hope, maybe a little after that, and uh, I might be doing some interviews. I might be publishing maybe a few podcasts here and there, but it's going to be sporadic, uh, at least for a little bit. So don't be alarmed if you don't see podcasts coming out every week like I have been doing. It's okay. I'm still here and I still love you. Uh, I just, like I said, I'm going to be moving. It's going to be a lot that's involved with that. All right. Now that that's out of the way, I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode with Dr. John Wise. So Dr. John Wise is a philosophy professor who was an atheist for decades, for I think over 25 years. And I'll let him introduce himself here. So I have a PhD in philosophy from the University of California, Irvine. And for most of my academic career, I was an atheist. But recently in 2019, my wife, my current wife, Jenny, became a portal for me I call her my looking glass back to Christ. And I found Christ again through Jenny. But in a larger sense, he never let me go. I was a Christian as a child. And when I went into graduate school, after having gone through Bible college, I turned my back on God for things we can go into eventually, if, if you'd like. But in 2019, I lost my first wife to a disease and then met Jenny and and we married. And we wanted to start a new life. And right now I podcast. Dr. John has a podcast called The Christian Atheist. And on this podcast, he talks about deep philosophical concepts. He talks about his life, how he became an atheist, how he became a Christian after being an atheist for a super long time. And he talks about how Christians can have resources to speak with atheists. And he also uses it to speak to atheists directly about the foundation and truth of the Christian faith. It's awesome. I personally really enjoy his podcast. And most importantly now, how to live in this world as a Christian, knowing all the things that I know before, still having the atheist mind and all the doubts that used to plague me from years ago, and still managing to hold on. And I want to help others in the Christian community to do that. But I'd also like to give them resources with which to reach out to people who are struggling, both within the Christian community, because man alive, there's a lot of things assaulting the Christian faith these days, and also as a resource to those who don't know quite how to deal with their atheist friends. So you might be thinking, well, that's great that he did that. He knows so much. He grew up in the church, and he was able to grapple through all these amazing concepts. But what do I do? How do I talk to an atheist? I don't know that much of anything, especially when that atheist that you're talking to has grown up in church and might know more of the scriptures and church history than you. You might be thinking, well, what do I do in that situation? Well, guess what? We're here to talk about it. It's Meme Lord time. 
The Meme Lord Monday podcast is brought to you by Cards Christians Like. Cards Christians Like is a really fun Christian card game that's way better than that other one, Cards Against Humanity, that we won't talk about. It's awesome. It's appropriate for church, depending on how uh, <laughs> uptight you are. And we have our own expansion pack that goes to this card game. I play it all the time with my small group. I play it uh, with my family. And we literally cry laughing every single time we play it. So if you want to support us and get a great game for your small group, your church, your family, or wherever you want to go, get Cards Christians Like. And if you want to support us even more, get our expansion pack to this game called Cards Christians Hide. It's really fun. It's a little bit more on the edgy side, but it's still clean enough for church. I promise. It might get a little awkward, but who cares? It's fun and it's funny and you get to support us. So if you want a game that is all about Christian culture and is just funny enough to make you a little squirmy but not feel like you're sinning, then yeah, get a game today. That link is in the show notes of this episode. All right, on with the show. Yeah, so are you kind of venturing more into like the the world of apologetics, would you say? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I mean, I, conventionally, that's sort of the niche I fall into. Um, I tend to dislike the term apologetics. The term in its original Greek understanding is just to provide a rational defense for something. And I, I spent 25 years trying to tear apart Christianity and realizing when I came to the end of it that it has the, the strongest cases on its side. And so I don't feel like I need to defend it. I just need to point the truth out. I and mean, that's what I try to do. I, I don't feel as though I'm an apologist in the, in the tr- typical sense of I've got to make a case for this so that you'll believe. No, nah, it's not my job. My job is to, is to find the truth. And that's, that's, what I, that's what took me away from Christ originally. I said to myself, I'm going to go wherever the truth takes me, wherever the investigation leads me. And 25 years later, I had to just give up and say, this is where it takes me, right back to Christ. I don't have a problem. I, I don't need to apologize. And, and of course, that's the other way of using the term. But I, I don't even need to make a rational defense for it. It's all rational itself. The Christian faith is the foundation of rationality. So, hmm. yeah. Wow. If you would have heard yourself say that, what, four or five years ago? <laughs> <laughs> Well, surprisingly, as things were winding down, it was more clear to me that I was on the wrong side of things as it progressed, that the farther it progressed along. God never left me. Let's put it that way. It was clear looking back, even though I said, nah, there is no God. It's clear looking back that he was still running the show all the way through. Wow. So what would you say was the deciding factor, so to speak, whether that was on your end, God's end, you know, maybe you can distinguish it intellectually uh, at, at a moment, or would you say it was more like an inward type of recognition? Like, well, how would you describe that, that change that happened? You mean, I mean, I tell the story on The Christian Atheist. So the first like 10, I think it's 10 or 11 uh, of them, I certainly invite anyone who wants to hear the story to go there. It's deep stuff sometimes. So you have to wade through it intellectually. I think what I say on there and and how I would characterize it now is that I had all of the parts of the puzzle in hand, but I refused to put them together. And and what I was lacking 
was a real representative of the incarnation that could once again present Christ to me in a human form. And I found that in my wife, Jenny. Um, she was the one, I've been around Christians all my life, even through the, my atheist period. Um, and I liked Christians. I always thought they were in a lot of ways, better people than some of the other people I was hanging with. Um, and so I appreciated in many ways that they were honest about their faith, whereas other had, others had all kinds of faiths that they thought weren't faiths. So at least Christians were honest about the fact that they were believing something. I had in place all the things I needed because I'd been studying it for 25 years. I knew all the arguments for the existence of God and they, you know, they are what they are. I don't think they're going to ever convince an atheist to believe in God, but I had all of the parts there, but I needed somebody to help me say, wait a second, all this truth that you've been searching for, how successful were you in finding it? I wasn't. I mean, at the end of my atheism, I was as empty as I had ever been. But all the parts were there. And when, <laughs> when I expressed my love for my wife before we were married, I said, you should marry me. <laughs> and she <laughs> responded with, if you were a Christian, I would marry you tomorrow. <laughs> And that threw everything back on me. It's like, okay, there it is. I, I knew that I was violating something that Christians should never be unequally yoked. And so I said to myself, I'm going to, I'm destroying this woman by, by what she's saying. Of course, in her mind, she said to herself, she knew me well enough at that time. Um, she said, oh, he's a Christian. He's just walked away for so long. But that's what it was. It was for me, it was that moment. And it didn't, it didn't happen in a snap. It took about a month and a half after we had that conversation. But as I was coming back from a, a camping trip in New York, it, it, it just, I gave up. It's like, okay, God, I get it now. What I needed was to see a reality in a human being of, of what Christ stands for. And Jenny was that for me. So if there's one thing, one puzzle piece, one last bit, it was my wife. Man, I really love that because I find that there's a lot of people that that's, that will say, well, you know, this argument convinced me or, you know, I've, I came to this realization and, and et cetera, et cetera. But I've also heard the claim that it's like a lot of people are atheists because it's not only a cognitive dissonance like you talk about in your podcast, but an emotional one. Where it's like, mm -hmm. I don't want to embrace these feelings I'm having. I'd much yeah. rather live the way that I'm, I'm living. But I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this too, because you being in this space where, like you said, you have the atheist brain and the Christian brain, and that, right. gives, you, that gives you the ability to look both ways. Um, there's an apologetic method called presuppositional apologetics, which I'm sure you're aware of. They will approach an unbeliever on the premises of Romans 1 that says that all people are without excuse and they have an inner knowledge of, of God. And so they'll approach them with basically countless questions of what standard do you have your morality? According to what standard do you do this? And according to what standard do you do that? It's kind of a, a circular argument, for lack of a better yeah. explanation. I'm sure as an atheist, you may have even been approached by a Christian in this yeah. way. Um, <laughs> sure. What are your thoughts about that? I would consider myself a mere Christian in the sense of I, I don't really care 
what your beliefs are, so long as you're holding to the fundamentals. It is Jesus Christ who solved everything by going to the cross and and being the substitution for our sins. I mean, you're there. And if you're there, and that's what you're relying on, then I understand you to be my brother in Christ. Um, Now, in terms of how we approach things, you know what? I've seen all kinds of varieties of Christian testimonies and, and approaches work with people. And I think that's because people are very, very different. And just like there's a whole bunch of different kinds of Christians out there, um, I have a real good friend who's a Catholic that I have no doubt is uh, is a believer. And, you know, I have some issues with Catholicism, too, um, <laughs> but I have no doubt that he's a believer. He holds to the basic fundamentals of the Christian faith, and many do um, within the Catholic Church. And so I, I don't have a problem with the ways in which people approach evangelism. If they're bold enough to go out and do it, good for them. And God brings the increase. So uh, I, I'm, you know, if, if someone asked me, how would you do it? I probably wouldn't do it in quite the same way as everyone else does. But I've got, you know, 25 years of different experience than most other people do. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I mean, I think at some point Christians should come to a peaceful reconciliation of their faith. And I think we should we should be embracing others. Even though I say I'm a Calvinist, I'm, I am a very nuanced and libertarian Calvinist um, in, in a more technical form. But so, but yeah, I totally agree with you. I think the infighting is really unnecessary and we need to come together and be a lot more ecumenical. Part of my soul bristles at ecumenism because, I mean, when I was growing up, I I, I went to my mother, who was the sort of the Christian side of, our, of my parents. My father was an agnostic. Um, but because of this compromise between the two of them, we went to a fairly liberal church. It had some basic notions and it taught some basic ideas. I'm not sure that I would call it a Christian church. My mother was very much evangelical. So that was my understanding of faith growing up. Um, but ecumenism, as they taught it, United Church of Christ, was almost like, you know, throwing out the gospel and just being nice to everybody. And I bristle at that, too. (laughs) So I I may be very open to those who share the faith in its fundamentals, but I'm also rather appalled by those who have thrown off the fundamentals and yet still maintain the Christian mantle. So that bothers me deeply. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could get into that. <laughs> um, because on my show, like I, I will bring on people that will definitely not hold to orthodoxy. Uh, and, and I'll tell them, hey, I disagree with your conclusions wholeheartedly. But I think we can still at least talk about where you're coming from um, and, and kind of at least listen to each other. Uh, which is I I, re- I enjoy that I really enjoy just having conversations with with people and learning from them, but you know I get a lot of hate for that because people will say, well, you don't take a, a strong stance, you don't you don't do this. Um, but why what is I serpents find, gentle as doves? Yeah, I think so. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's one of that's one of my um, watchwords. I try to watch that all the time and think to myself, how would Jesus how would Jesus deal with this? Um, Did he get into these nasty battles with anyone? No. He knelt down and he drew in the sand. And then he asked them a question that sort of 
threw everything into uh, in, into uproar and nobody could throw the first stone. So, you know, right. um, yeah, we look to Jesus. <laughs> How did he do things? And I try to do that. I really do. I, I fail too sometimes. Yeah. And I, I what I've found is like you see people on both sides. You have people that are anti-intellectual, like wholeheartedly, and will be kind of like what you explained, people who have no fundamentals whatsoever. And then you have the people that are so fundamental and so, you know, high theology that they condemn everyone in between. Um, let, let's tackle one of these because obviously you, I believe you have something to say about the anti-intellectual Christians as well. What would you have to say about that and what you've observed? I, um, my father was a carpenter all his life. And so the simple, the simple life of those who live their lives daily and fight for the things they love and, and worship God in a simple way, I've got no problems whatsoever. Um, I, I know that most of those Christians are far better Christians than I am and are better people. But what would bother me are those not who are ignorant, who haven't understood things, but those who think they understand things and are ignorant. In other words, they're, they're proud and arrogant in their ignorance. Mm. Um, and this really comes to me um, through a philosophy lens rather than a religious lens or a Christian lens even. Um, Socrates taught that if you're going to start to learn anything, the very first step you have to take is to acknowledge what you don't know. And it's very dangerous to be so absolutely certain that you've got it all nailed down, you're going to turn everybody off. And this is what bothers me. I mean, you talk about Calvinism and evangelicals. This is one of the things that bothers me oftentimes about evangelicals. They come across to the unbelieving as anti-intellectual because they think they're intellectual and they don't know much of anything about what it is they're talking about. So they really ought to just keep their mouth shut. And say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. Hmm. It doesn't shake my faith, but I don't know the answer to that. And there's nothing wrong with admitting ignorance. That's the that's the place where everybody is. And too often the atheists are in the same boat. They think they know a whole lot more than they do. The internet is more accessible than it's ever been. And with that has come an absolute pandemic of people addicted to pornography. This addiction statistically is affecting Christians and non-Christians alike. It's a problem. Porn is a human problem, but Covenant Eyes provides a human solution. Covenant Eyes helps you and the ones you love live porn-free through transformative accountability relationships. With Covenant Eyes, you choose someone that you know and trust to walk with you as your ally and to hold you accountable for your online behavior. Me and my friends use it, and I've seen it firsthand break the bonds of addiction in people's lives. This stuff works. So basically what you do is you download the Covenant Eyes app, it tracks the activity on your devices, and your friend, who's your ally, gets a victory app which shares your activity feed right to their phone. You and your ally will be able to celebrate victories together and have honest and caring conversations about your successes, setbacks, and triggers. Nothing works better than this. If you struggle with pornography addiction online and you're ready to see some victory in your life, download Covenant Eyes and use promo code MONDAY for 30 days free. Try it out. I've gotten so many success stories from this app, and that's why I'm so happy that they've chosen to sponsor Meme Lord Monday. Again, that's Covenant Eyes. Use the link in the show notes of this episode and use promo code MONDAY for 30 days free. Victory over addiction has never been easier.
Wow. Yeah. So I mentioned when I was promoting this that that my wife and I have learned a lot from you just listening to your podcast. And one of the episodes that my wife especially enjoyed was your episode where you spoke about how Christians have embraced certainty in a way that they should not. Yeah. And and that's kind of what you're talking about. Could you expound on that a bit? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I learned from the man I did my dissertation on, and I don't know, you know, what level of understanding people have that we're talking with here, but I did my dissertation on the famous 20th century atheist, Jean-Paul Sartre, who, who was an existentialist, a French existentialist. And while I was doing the dis- my dissertation research, I went deep into the weeds on Jean-Paul Sartre. And he was m- one of the most famous things that he was famous for was his atheism. And yet, in a passage that almost nobody ever sees anymore, because nobody reads that deeply into the weeds, he said something that absolutely shook me to my core. He said, look, I understand that atheism is a faith. I am as much a metaphysician in denying existence to God as anyone is a metaphysician who accepts existence in God or for God. And that, for me, was almost one of the the most earth-shattering moments that this man, who is an atheist, acknowledged that atheism itself is a form of faith. Oh boy, I get in trouble with atheists on this one all the time. <laughs> I don't have faith. I don't have faith. And I understand that because that was what I wanted to avoid too. Um, when I left Christianity, I said to myself, I want to know. I don't want to believe. The problem with that is you're a human being and you have no choice but to believe. Your whole world, your whole life, everything you do is built on a structure of belief because we know next to nothing. And if we're not careful, when we start thinking we know a lot, um, suddenly we're shut down and we're, we're sort of in a circle of ignorance and we can't beat our way out of it. When, and once you're in that trap, um, you're in deep. And it's best to approach life in such a way as to recognize what you don't know. Um, and I, to this day, I say, I don't know that God, there's a God. I don't know it. I believe it, right? And it was it was Augustine who said, credo ut intelligam, I believe in order that I may know. Knowledge is not something that's like a better form of faith. Faith is the structure and knowledge is built on top of it. And we miss that oftentimes, I think. Wow. Yeah. I think that's a message that a lot of evangelical churches they need to hear cuz like yeah it's like they've embraced like a cartesian type of certainty with with like no like real reason to uh have you heard of william lane craig have you heard about him yeah 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 yep in fact i analyzed his discussion with uh christopher hitchens who was one of my favorite atheists it still is one of my favorite atheists he's dead but yeah. I, I i really had a lot of respect for christopher hitchens i think a lot of christians did too he was one of the good ones <laughs> He was. <laughs> he was. I agree. But yeah, I think I would. I think I'm fairly certain William Lane Craig washed the floor with him <laughs> in that debate. <laughs> Christopher was great, but like, man, William Lane Craig, he's something special. And I love what yeah. he said. Um, one one time during an interview, he's like, "I don't, I don't need to have certainty because I can't, I, I can't know, I, I can't know all the details surrounding 
everything, and that's what you would need to have certainty. And right. uh, I don't think people realize that 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 mm. it's okay not to be certain about your faith because that right. wouldn't be faith if you were certain about it. Exactly. And, and yeah, it's almost like they've overcomplicated the whole situation. I don't know where, I mean, have you observed why Christians have become so certain and and feel they need to be certain? I think it's natural human uh, sin. You you want to rest so securely in what it is you're standing on that you don't want to admit the possibility that there's something that could shake you up. Um, And that for me, I, I mean, we talked about the puzzle pieces earlier on that threw me back to Christ. That was one of them. Um, because what I wanted when I left God was to find certainty. I wanted to be able to say, here it is. I'm going to show you what knowledge is. I'm going to prove to you all of these things are the truth. When it ends up that truth is not something that you can nail down that precisely. Instead, truth is the incarnation. Hmm. Truth is found in the God-man because truth is a combination of what is really real and the human interaction with what is really real. And God is the great I am. He is the author of all that is, all of the substance of the world is God. And I'm, you know, I don't mean that in a pantheistic way. Right. I mean that being itself finds its existence in God. And the union of God with man, that's where knowledge is found. Um, and so if you're looking for truth, you're not going to find it in this, this world around us because all of those things are kind of doubtful. Um, Christ, you can rest in and say, here he is, right? This is the union of what is really real and the human, that which is imminent, that which we live with on a daily basis, that which, as Jesus said, you know, you will know them by their fruits. And it's much, very much true by our beliefs, too. The things that we live, the way in which we live, um, allows us to understand whether or not the things that we are believing in work. Um, if they work, ultimately, um, more than likely, they're true. Um, communism doesn't work. We've tried it, right? <laughs> it fails every time we've tried it. So that belief system falls apart. How long has Christianity lasted? Right. It's been 2000 years now and it, it, it's been through a lot of ringers and a lot of attacks and it keeps coming out the other side pretty well intact. Um, you know, and, and the, the modern attacks don't seem to be really putting a dent in it. Right. Um, not rationally speaking. Yeah. Um, Sorry, did I answer your question? I'm oh, rambling. Yes. Now. <laughs> no, no. Feel free. This is your show. I um <laughs> So somebody asked a question kind of related to what we were talking about involving uh, truth and certainty. Um, I know one of the talking points of the, as I mentioned before, the presuppositional apologetics, they they like to say to atheists, no absolute truth. Are you absolutely sure? It's like, okay, bro. <laughs> that's cute. But like, I mean, it is a legitimate question. And basically that's what this guy's asking in the questions. He says, have you found absolute truth or can it be found? And how would you answer that? Um, no, I mean, I believe in absolute truth. Yeah. I believe that it's there, but I believe that human beings in, in our current state. And actually, I think, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the eternal state's going to be. That for me is one of the fascinations 
of, of the faith. It's like, I think about these things. What does eternity look like? Um, I, I don't know that we'll ever have an absolute grasp because that's the position of God. Hmm. Um, but we can do more of what we're doing here on earth. And that's to asymptotically approach that reality, right? To better understand it. I mean, this is the, this is the process of science. Um, we, we started out, you know, back in the times of, of the, of the pre-Socratic philosophers reasoning that maybe, maybe reality consists of these really tiny parts and we'll call them atoms, indivisible particles, right? And, and then we find out almost 2,500 years later, we say, oh, reality is composed of these fundamental tiny little parts. And then we start dividing those and we find out that reality is actually composed of of quantum fields, right? So that, um, but our understanding gets clearer in certain ways. It's approaching a truth, but what sense can we make of reality being composed of quantum fields? Hmm. This to me is part of the mystery that we will never fully understand or grasp, but that we can get closer to. And that's fun. I mean, I love science. I love psychology. I love the humanities. Because all of those things lead us towards that mystery. And sometimes we get a glimpse of it, right? And that, those glimpses for me that I've seen throughout my life have always been like the curtain pulled aside, you know? Mm. And, and suddenly you get this glimpse of, of something that's so big and so perfect. And you say, wow, that's what I want. And then the curtain shuts, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I mean, Lewis talks about that too in Surprised by Joy. Right, those moments of real, uh, of real, I don't know, the universe opening up before you. And yeah. I don't even think of those as religious moments. I think that's just reality revealing itself. Yeah, those are like those are like soul moments. You can't describe mm -hmm. them uh, as falling into anything else. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I feel yeah, like and everybody felt has that. them. Yeah. It's a universal human thing. Man, I really enjoyed when you started getting into physics. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, we're getting to Joe Rogan mode. <laughs> so well, I don't you, know that I want to get into Joe Rogan's mode right now anyway. Yeah, no. Yeah, I don't want to go I don't want to go too far, Joe Rogan, but like <laughs> the uh I'd like to stay on the radio for a while. I'm just getting started. <laughs> um but have you have you studied some physics? As oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um I I <laughs> science absolutely fascinates me. And I've, I've been a, a student of science uh, all my life, but especially intently through the atheist period, because it's like I want to find, you know, most atheists think they're, that they're scientists. They understand that science has it. But science doesn't have it nailed down. <laughs> that's the great thing about science. The more you study it, the more you recognize, man, there's a lot here that's just not clear. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I find I find God being pointed to in science almost as much as anywhere else that we could think of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love science. In fact, my wife is one of my great regrets through life is that I didn't study mathematics more deeply so that I could understand the language of science better. My wife is teaching me mathematics now at night when we go to bed. So we lay in bed and do math together. <laughs> Power couple. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Let's take a few moments to answer some questions. My friend Kean says, 
Okay, so these are more like niche Christian culture questions. Have you, Sorry. have you, have you, I'm, and I'm sure a Christian threw this at you while you were an atheist, but um, what are your thoughts on A Case for Christ uh, by Lee Strobel? I'm sure you've heard of that. I, I did. I have, I've read Lee Strobel. It's funny, you, you bring that book up and I remember sitting in my bathtub reading it because someone at church had handed it to me um, back in, oh, I, was, I guess it was 2018. Um, uh, I had been attending church. That's where I met Jenny um, because oh, my, wow. my wife and I started going to that church and I promised her I would keep my daughter in the church. So um, there I was, an atheist in church. But, <laughs> but one of the guys there at church handed me the Lee Strobel book and I read it. Um, and I don't want to offend anybody. I, 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 I've read so many of those books like that yeah. because Christians were always giving them to me that it felt like another one of the type. But to be fair, um, he did kind of what I did, right? He wanted to prove things wrong and, um, and found out that he was wrong. And that that sort of intellectual openness is to be praised wherever we find it. Mm. And I find it oftentimes in the atheist community. A lot of them are very open and willing to 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 reach out. And then I get frustrated when they talk to Christians and they're so dismissive. And um, <laughs> so that that's one of my pet peeves on, on that one. But, yeah, I, I think Lee Strobel's book's a good book. Um I didn't get a whole lot out of it because I'd read like hundreds of those things before. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you had heard the arguments, like you said. Right. All right. Next one is, do you ever struggle getting too caught up in debates, even debates that aren't necessarily hostile and find that it distracts from simply living out Jesus uh, to atheist friends? I mean, I love to talk um, <laughs> about these things. So when someone gets me going, I guess it's hard for me to shut up. Um, but I, I, I find that when I've found something that rings true to me, I tend to think that it's going to ring true to other people. And so I like to share it with them. Um, and I guess you could ask my wife better than me as to whether or not it's effective. Because <laughs> maybe I turn people off sometimes. I'm not sure. Um, but I love the topics so much. Most of my life I've spent as... My, my my wife will probably laugh at me when I say this. I've 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 always thought of myself as a quiet kind of guy, but until <laughs> until something strikes me, right, and then I get suddenly passionate. Yeah, and she says quiet, <laughs> <laughs> man, because I get excited and then I I take off. But yeah, you know. <laughs> where where would we be without without a. a... <laughs> A guiding wife. <laughs> Where would I, you be? I don't want to live. I don't want to live without my wife. Here's another one. Um, science is the how, faith is the why. Do you agree with that statement? That's actually pretty good. Yeah, I, I've never heard it put that way, um, but I've only been back in the fold for like, what, two and a half, three years now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I like that a lot. Um, s science one of the arguments that atheists like to throw at me is there is this, this, this diminishing return in what God can explain, right? Um, so now we explain thunder and lightning, and therefore the, the explanation that that's God is gone. Um, and now we've explained the nature of, of matter, so God's gone. Well, no, 
that just deepens the mystery. And it takes us back to why is there something rather than nothing? And we can't answer that question. Why is there meaning? What is this thing that we call human rationality? I mean, it's different from anything anywhere in the world, in the universe that we've encountered. And it's special. It seems to be able to look at the world and find meaning in it, find truth to search for and discover the the connections of the universe and put them together in a rational way. Where does that come from? Um, and, And I think that are those types of things, those puzzles point us index index God as clearly as anything we can say. Why? Why is there something rather than nothing? What are these things that we call human beings? And that's the why. Yeah. And, and we can't expect, and that's another critique that atheists like to throw at me, give me some evidence for God. What evidence are you looking for? You're looking for, uh, you know, tracks in a cloud chamber? That That's evidence of, of physicality. God isn't physical in that way. Um, so what is going to count for evidence for you? And basically it always comes back down to whatever evidence you have, that's not evidence. So, you know, I've got tons of evidence and I say that to them all the time. Give it to me. Okay. I'll tell you, but you're not going to accept it as evidence until you take that first step and say, wait a second, maybe the world is more than this little narrow box that I've constructed for it. Wow. Yeah, there's a man, there's a lot there. <laughs> that's that's good stuff, man. Um I I'm sure have you heard of the TikTok? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Recently, I've never been I, I think I've seen a couple videos on it or something from my daughter, but I really don't know much about it. Yeah, they so you can go live on that app and interact with people and it's one thing I've noticed uh, at least on my feed uh, in that app is uh, atheists you know, basically setting up shop in the live and having a sign behind them saying, prove that God exists and that's it. And then they'll just argue with people, normally people that don't know what they're talking about, unfortunately. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's just horrible to, to watch. But that's what I'll see. You'll see them say, there's no evidence. There's no evidence. But like you said, they won't accept the evidence. There is evidence. It's just, they won't accept it. And right. I wanted to ask you, this is my question. Do you find yourself battling atheists now <laughs> that you're a Christian? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's that's really what the Christian atheist is about. I wanted to set up shop in such a way as to be able to reach out to, to people who were where I was, because I think there's an awful lot of them who are seriously searching for truth. Um, and I believe in my heart of hearts, I believe that. Christ is the truth. And that once you step on the way, right, that the way that Christ is, the incarnation, once you step on that way, um, the truth has its own sort of guiding zone, right? Knock and the door will be opened. Um, and so I, my, my job is not to convert anybody. And I, I try to let atheists, my atheist friends, know, I'm, you're not a subject for conversion for me. I just want you to see the truth and follow the logic, follow the logic where it takes you. And and that was my journey. It was my journey back to Christ. It's like if somebody, somebody asks me now, okay, what was it that brought you back? You know, what experience did you have? I didn't have any experience. There's almost no religious experiences anywhere in my life, but 
the rationality of it takes me back every time because I see how things fit together. I see the pattern of events. I see the reflections of earth pointing to a greater reality everywhere in everything. There's these little microstructures that point to larger structures that point to the largest. It's, and it's, it's a completely rational vision. Let me, let me just find that one phrase by C.S. Lewis uh, that I absolutely love to quote. And I should have it memorized now, but I don't. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. That's from the weight of glory. Because, and it really is. It's that would, if, if, if I don't believe in God, then I no longer have any rational standpoint to accept my rational ability to make sense of my world. If, if it's all just a matter of random things that help us survive better, why should I trust my senses to reveal truth to me? I lose science if I lose God. And I love science. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not willing to lose science. I'm not willing to lose meaning. I'm not willing to lose my love for my wife. Um, because if it's just an epiphenomenon, if it's just something that happened that, you know, has no reality behind it, then what's the use? And then in that case, if that's, if that's true, if that's really true, then what do I lose by believing in God and holding on to those eternal verities that are there? Um, what do I lose? I gain everything because I still believe then in the truth of my love, the, my love for my wife, for of of the of the search for meaning, of um, of the search for understanding in the natural world, science. Um, but if I don't have God, none of that really holds together. So I'll ask one more question from the group. Somebody asked, "What is a theological question that you are seeking an answer for?" <sighs> Well, I mean, if you listen to the Christian atheist, one of the problems that I express on there, one of the things that really frustrated me as an atheist and almost single-handedly kept me from coming back was the existence of the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. I mean, that's, that's rough. And I know that my life and my psyche have been formed in a modern world, right? And so... Uh, as much as I'm not opposed to hunting and all the rest, I used to hunt all, as a kid, there's still that sense of like, what's this needless animal cruelty? And part of my soul, I, I mean, I say I'm divided, right? I still have the atheist in the back of my head. And I can understand from a Christian perspective, I can give myself all of the reasons that um, the evangelical pastors will give me in response to this. But I still have that in the back of my head that says, man, I wouldn't have done it that way. Yeah. Why did God do it that way? And it comes down to he did. Hmm. Right? He gets to choose that. I don't. Wow. Um, and is that satisfying? No. It's not satisfying to me. And I don't expect all the answers to satisfy the people that I'm talking to and trying to convince to come to Christ. Right? It, it, there are no answers that are going to solve it all. We've been trying to solve the problem of evil in the world, um, in God's world, 
since Christianity was around. Like, where did it come from? Why is it here? Why did a perfect God create a world in such a way that evil exists? I don't know. That's one thing I don't have an answer for. And um, I will be delighted to hear it when uh, eternity rolls around. <laughs> yeah, a lot, I know a lot of people get hung up on atonement theories. I kind of feel that. I, I mean, I didn't have a, a super long atheist stretch, but I did have like a deconstruction period where I questioned everything. Um, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're seeing that a lot in the church now as well because of, like we talked about earlier, how people, how the the church has not really handled questioning well. Yes. So, but I'm I'm digressing. Yeah, I, I kind of feel that. Like the atonement, it's it's rough. And like one thing that it kind of encourages me is I can hear your atheist side say, I wouldn't have done it that way. Because you hear a lot of atheists say that. <laughs> well, if I, I wouldn't yep. have done it like that. I mean, why, why, why am I better than God? And, uh, yeah. and you they call him a God of love. Yes, that's exactly it. And then right after that to hear you say, you know, well, he's God and he gets to do whatever he wants. That's what you don't yeah. hear atheists say. Well, that's the, that's the fundamental question. And that's where you keep coming back to. I mean, I, I, I did an interview with Michael Wiseman of the Bible says what he's an atheist and he keeps coming back to these arcane questions of the old Testament and God killing babies and all the rest. And I said, so God created this world. He created the world and all of the people who are dying in it are dying of horrible diseases and all the rest. That's God's fault too. You've got to start back at the very beginning. There either is or there isn't a God. And so if you're going to accept it, that there's good things in the world, that's where I say you have to start. Because if there's good things in the world, then where did they come from? And that, that's a problem for the atheist, right? Where does goodness come from? Where does value come from? Whereas the problem we have to solve is, how is it that a good God created a world in which there is so much suffering and pain and all the rest? And for me, one of the huge steps back was just saying, you know what? I can't answer all those questions. Just like science can't answer all the questions that it throws Sometimes we just sit back and we say, okay, here's my choice. A world that has meaning and a world that doesn't have meaning. I choose meaning. Mm. Wow. That's awesome. Well, hey, guys, this was great. Uh, Dr. Wise, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Oh, likewise. Um, really enjoyed it. I think uh, if you're willing, it'd be great to have you on again sometime just to maybe answer, ask him more questions and go over some more. Maybe like we could focus on something more specific. <laughs> I was just really excited to introduce you to the group and um, want to see if we can help get your name out there a bit. Because like I said, I've really been benefiting from your podcast and just the like huge chunks of knowledge that um, have been helpful. And and what, that's what I appreciate about your podcast is that you're, you have brevity, which is hard to find with any philosophy field, <laughs> and and it's very, very palatable. It's very listenable and uh, enjoyable. I really felt the need to try to get people to understand why our world is in such a bad state right now. What is it? I mean, it's not, it's not the atheists. They're actually pretty easy to defeat. There's a fundamental underlying cultural, socio-cultural structure 
that is taking everybody away. It's tearing the church down. It's tearing down basic fundamental beliefs. And I needed to find out where that came from. And it's Hegel. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah, I, and I think it's good stuff to send to atheists, I think. So like there's good stuff in the podcast that's good for everyone. And I think there's good stuff for, for those who are more intellectually driven. My wife says... Everyone go listen to this pod to his podcast. I've been loving it. And yes, you might have to listen to several times through to get some episodes to understand them. <laughs> she said it was awesome to have Dr. Wise back. So that, that's my wife. All right, guys. <laughs> thank you so much. This is Meme Lord Monday. There it is. Go ahead and check out Dr. John Wise, the Christian atheist on podcasts, wherever podcasts are distributed. Um, he's also on YouTube, and he also has another podcast called The Simple Gifts Podcast. The links to everything that he does are in the show notes to this episode. Highly encourage you guys to listen to him. Super charitable, wholesome guy, and he actually makes philosophy interesting and fun to listen to. So, yeah, check him out. Thanks again, Dr. John. So, like I said at the beginning, this is going to be the last episode, maybe for a little while, and then I'm going to come back strong, hopefully at the end of March, because I'm moving um, I've also, if you've noticed, I've archived all of the episodes before the rebrand of the Memes for Jesus podcast to Meme Lord Monday. Uh, I've archived all of those Memes for Jesus podcast episodes. So if you want to access those, have goodies, and also support us as a show, you can become a Supercast member today. The link for that is in the show notes of this episode. Support us, and hey, I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs>